0: Christos Anesti, that's the Greek word for Christ is risen. So today, what I want to do is speak about the power of the blood of Jesus. The power that is in the blood of Christ. And we're going to read quite a few verses, both from the New Testament and from the Old. So if you have your bibles with you or your digital bibles turn with me first of all to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17 through to 19 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 17 through to 19 I'll give you a few moments so that you can Locate these verses of Scripture. Okay, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, "...from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot." So, seeing that we are celebrating this entire week, Passover, we're going to look at the biblical account of the Passover from the book of Exodus, so that we can get the full meaning of what we want to discuss today. Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through to 14, and we will look at the biblical biblical account of the story of Passover. Exodus 12, verses 1 through to 14. Here we go. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat the whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the fourteenth day of this first month then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter the lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast their meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, carry your walking stick in your hand, Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn of male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Now, what we just read is the biblical account of Israel's deliverance from the dominion of Pharaoh and their exodus, of course, from the land of Egypt. Now, the children of Israel were to sacrifice, according to the word, a spotless lamb for each household on the 14th day of what was to be the first month in their calendar smear the blood on the sides and on the top of the door frames and eat the lamb roasted with fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs ready to depart from Egypt. Now, God said to Moses that when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's why it's called Passover. When I see the blood, on the doorframe, on the lintel of your door, I will pass over you, and the angel of death will not touch you. Now, not only did the blood of the Lamb offer deliverance and protection from the destroyer, but the blood applied gave them the promise and the hope of a new life free from the slavery of Egypt and the dominion of Pharaoh. So they were not only delivered from death, but a door of hope and a new life opened up before them, which they were to walk through it. God took them out of Egypt. He brought them to himself, according to the Scriptures, as his own people, so they could worship him and serve him all the days of their lives, free from their dominion and the tyranny of slavery. In Egypt, there were slaves. They counted for less than nothing. They were mistreated. They were abused. But the blood of the Lamb and their faith in that blood brought them out of bondage from those who oppressed them. Now, let's come to the New Testament. The Lamb, the Israelites' sacrifice for the deliverance, was a type of Christ. The Bible says that the Old Covenant is a shadow of things to come. The New Covenant is the substance. Now, that was a type of Christ, a prophetic picture of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And their deliverance from Pharaoh and the land of Egypt is a type of our deliverance from the authority of Satan and the systems of this present world. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. It's very clear. He tells that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Those are the words that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. That means... That Christ was the spotless Lamb of God, who was slain for our redemption and our deliverance from the dominion of Satan. Now, through the blood of Jesus and our faith in that blood, need to put faith in that blood for it to work. Everything in the kingdom of God works through faith and by faith. Through the blood of Jesus and our faith in that blood, God miraculously, supernaturally took us out of the world system and out from the authority of Satan and brought us to himself as his own people. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, how clearly it stipulates that. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. I'm reading from the King James Version, this verse. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, that's God, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption. How? Through the blood. God reconciled us to himself and to one another through the precious blood of Jesus. Even the forgiveness of sins, Colossians says. So whatever the devil had against us, and he held us in bondage, the blood of Christ dealt with it and done away with it. And God in Christ forgave all our sins and all of our trespasses. Past, present, and future. Now, not only did the blood of Christ deliver us from the dominion of Satan, but it also restored to us all that the devil had stolen from us when we fell away through Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve fell, all of his descendants fell with him. The enemy not only captured us, but stole from us precious things. And one of the most valuable things the devil stole was our identity. This is very important, what we're going to see here. And with our identity, he stole our future, (coughs) he stole our purpose, and our self-respect with it. Now, a person without identity is nobody. That's how the children of Israel were in Egypt. They were nobody, less than nothing, worth nothing. They were abused, they were tortured. And they suffered under the dominion of Pharaoh. And so, when you have no identity, you know no one. You do not exist. You are nothing. You have no future and you have no purpose. Now, this is the reason why so many of us in our world, they bound and oppressed today, and so many commit suicide. Feelings of unworthiness, feelings of uselessness, feelings of having no significance in life, no sense of purpose, no direction, causes them to take their own lives. And this is one of the primary attacks, folks, of the devil on the human race primary attacks. What does he do? Through his lies and through his deceit, he makes you feel worthless, less than nothing, robbing you of your dignity as well as your self-worth. That's what he aims for. You are no good. You're useless. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. Hello? It's true, isn't it? These are all lies. Deceit. Now, Jesus restored all of that to us when he redeemed us from the hand of our enemies. Through the blood of the cross, he gave us a brand new identity, a brand new life, filled with godly purpose and with a bright future. Because with the identity came a purpose. And with purpose came a future where we had no future. Our destination was hell eternal banishment from the presence of the lord so when god restored that identity and made us new creation he gave us not only a new life he gave us significance he gave us value he gave us self-worth he gave us purpose and a whole new future in christ jesus you want to know what your future is like it's bright It's filled with the blessing of the Lord if you will only wake up and believe it. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. When you got born again, you became a new creation with a new identity, with a new sense of purpose, and with a new sense of value and worth, because you are in Christ. It makes all of the difference in the world when you know who you are. And again, look at what it says in Colossians 1.19. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Do you see how valuable the blood of Christ is? It is precious, the apostle Peter says. You were not redeemed with silver or gold or any corrupt thing. You were redeemed... By the precious blood of Jesus. What value, what power has that blood that has delivered us from the authority of Satan and put us into the kingdom of God? Now these are, these are spiritual pictures. This is, this is a fact. It's something that has already happened. Not going to happen when we go to heaven. We are already in the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. And you are in it. Now. God the Father. Through the precious blood of Christ. Not only did he restore us. To himself. But he also restored us. To ourselves. And I'll explain. He made it possible to be at peace. Not only with God. Not only with others. But also with our own selves. He brought, through the blood of the cross, He brought an end to the turmoil within us that was going on prior to our new birth in Christ. And He ended all of the feelings of rejection and of hatred against others, but against ourselves also. Prior to, the, to our conversion in Christ, we were lost to God, Right? But we were also lost to ourselves. We were beside ourselves, the Scripture says. And I'll prove it to you. If you notice in the story of the prodigal son, when he realized where he was and he repented, the Bible says, listen to these words, he came to himself. Where was he before he came to himself? Lost. He was beside himself. He lost. You see, not only did God lose us, we lost ourselves. We lost our own souls. That's why Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? So, when, when Christ's blood restored us to God, he restored us to ourselves and to one another. You see, when I was lost, I was not only lost to God, I was lost to myself, I was lost to my wife, and I was lost to all of my loved ones through my sin and rebellion. When I was converted, when I got born again, not only did I come back to God, but I found myself as well. I was restored to myself, I was restored to my wife, I was restored to all my family members and my loved ones. They found me again. Do you see how precious the blood of Jesus is so I knew when I came to Christ like you should know I was a child of God I had a father in heaven I knew that I was forgiven I knew that I was loved and I knew that I was accepted in Christ no longer forgotten no longer rejected and no longer unloved this is precious And one of the things that drives people today to all kinds of sin and all kinds of rebellion, they don't know themselves. They haven't discovered themselves yet, who they are. They may have been born again, but they haven't found themselves. That's why you find believers today going out into the world trying to find themselves. That's foolishness. We need look nowhere else but in Christ alone. So I want to say to you today, Do not underestimate your new birth in Christ. Don't undervalue it. It is the greatest and it is the most precious miracle that took place in your life. Your new birth. Thank God every day for the blood of Christ that made it possible for you and I to be born again so that we can have a brand new identity in Christ and with it we have a bright new future and the most wonderful destiny. Now, that is why I say many in the family of God, though they're born again, they have not realized what actually took place in their lives. They are still searching to find themselves and to find their purpose. Now, the problem is that they're looking in all the wrong places. Listen to me. If you entertain thoughts of being incomplete you will look for recognition and significance as well as completeness in other people's opinions or even in the things that have no real value. Amen? I'm going to say that again. If you entertain thoughts of being incomplete, you will look for recognition And completeness in other people's opinions of you or even in the things that have no real value bigger house bigger car bigger this bigger salary there's nothing wrong with that but when you seek recognition in that and value in that then you're of course amen the Bible says In Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are complete in Christ. We don't need anyone or anything else in this world to make us complete. In Christ, we are complete. In Christ, we have everything. We have significance. We have value. We have a future. We have a self-worth. We have a purpose in life, because we are in Christ, and all of those things are in Christ, and in Him we are complete, 100% complete. We don't need anything more. We don't need anyone else, people's opinions of us, people's praise, or whatever. We are complete. Christ made us whole, and we lack nothing. Scripture says so. Colossians 1 verse 22-23 says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body, and as a result he has brought you into his own presence. Listen to this. And you are holy, not you're going to be, you are holy in Christ and blameless, without blame, without fault, in Christ, before him. Not before me or before anyone else. Before Christ, the Bible says you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. This works by faith. Are you listening to me? These are sometimes difficult words to believe. You look at yourself and you look at others, and you see all of the imperfections, all of the weaknesses, all of the faults. But when God sees you, He sees you through the blood. And we need to learn to see ourselves through the blood of Christ, and through the eyes of God, not our natural, physical eyes. That's why Paul says we no longer know anyone after the flesh but we know them after the Spirit. To know yourself in the flesh means that you know yourself according to worldly standards. That's why some people say, well, they look at the mirror and say, I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm too short. I'm poor. I'm sick. That is knowing yourself, not after the Spirit, but after the flesh, according to worldly standards. Hello. This is so important for us to understand. You know, the Lord says, you are holy and blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and you must stand fast in the truth. See yourself through the blood. That's why the blood of Jesus is so precious. So, if we want identity, if we want purpose, if we want value and worth, we don't need to look anywhere else but to Christ and Christ alone. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Wow, what powerful words are these. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. If I want to find myself, I need to look nowhere else but in Christ. Because that's where my identity is, that's where my purpose is, that's where my destiny, my self-worth and my value is. Is in Christ and in my relationship with him. Christ's purpose is my purpose because my life is hidden within. And Christ is my life. For I have died with him. And when he rose from the dead I rose together with him. And so Christ is my life Christ's value is my value Christ's destiny is my destiny. Because we are members of his body. My hand has the same purpose as my eye. My head has the same destiny as the rest of my body. That is why I say that we don't need to look anywhere else or to anyone else to give us affirmation, to give us value or self-worth. All we need to do is to look to the Word, look to Christ, you will find who you are in there, you will find your purpose, you'll find your self-worth, and you'll find your destiny. All through the blood of Jesus. Let me say this one of the most important pursuits in life is the pursuit of self-knowledge to know yourself to find your true self in christ to be able to accept yourself to be able to love yourself hello to love myself to respect myself and Getting along with ourselves is one of the most important things we will ever receive. The Word of God says, Listen, we should love our neighbor as. How? As we love ourselves. Let me ask you a question. If I cannot love myself, how can I love my neighbor? If I do not value or respect myself, how can I value and respect others? When people lose their self-respect, they fall into the pit of darkness, leading them and prompting them to do all sorts of ungodly things because they lost their self-respect. They don't love themselves. They hate themselves. Are you with me? So and, and this this has nothing to do with how I look. This has nothing to do with how rich or how poor I am. It has nothing to do with my social status. It has nothing to do with my natural ancestry or my nationality. Because I'm in Christ, I have a new ancestry. Some people go crazy about finding their own ancestry, where they come from. I can tell you where I come from. Christ is my ancestry because I'm in Him. Amen? Because I'm in Christ, I am a person of worth, I am a person of great value. Because I'm in Christ, I am a person of destiny with a bright future. That's you. And that's you, and that's you, and that's you, all of you who are seeing me and listening to me. You need to know that you are a person of great destiny, a person of great value, a person of great worth. Because you are in Christ Jesus. And because you are in Christ, you are accepted. Whether anybody else accepts you or not, You are accepted by Christ. You are loved. You are appreciated by your Heavenly Father, even if no one else knows it or recognizes it. As long as I know it, and as long as I recognize it, that's all it matters. That's why we need to come to the place where other people's opinions of us don't influence us. Where the words against us or with us, they don't bear any influence or any control over us because we know who we are we found ourselves and we found ourselves in Christ amen Amen. you know when I recognize me and when I start believing who I really am guess what's going to happen others will begin to believe it too and behave accordingly hello If you respect yourself and value yourself, you will find that as you associate with people, they will begin to respect you and value you because you value yourself. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And let me say another thing. When you know who you are and your worth and value in Christ, when you relate to other people, you do so from a place of giving them something rather than taking something from them. Do you know that many people today, because of insecurities, because of rejection, they relate to people so they can take something from them to make them whole, loved or accepted. That's why so many relationships break. So many marriages break because the people who enter into this covenant, they're not whole in themselves. They haven't found themselves yet. So if you don't know who you are, how can you give yourself to someone else? you with me? So when you know who you are and you found yourself, you are restored to yourself in Christ. When you relate to other people, you relate to them from a place of wanting to bless them and give them something rather than take something from them. Do you see that? So, because I'm a person of value, I will add value to you as I relate to you. Because I'm a person of destiny and purpose, my association with you will add purpose and destiny to you. Do you see that? We can only give to others what we have and who we are. You can't give to someone else what you're not. If, if I think I'm worthless, for instance, how can I add worth or value to you if I think of myself as worthless? True? We need to have a whole, healthy self-esteem. And we can only find that in Christ Jesus. In Him is our identity. In him is our value. In him is our purpose. In our relationship with him, we are who we are and what we are. That's why Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am who I am by the grace of God. Not because of anything I've done or didn't do. That has nothing to do with it. All because of what Christ has done for me and who He is before God. And because I'm in Him, whatever He gets, I get. That's our inheritance as children of the living God. So, in coming to a close of this message, we need to ask the difficult questions. Questions like, have I found myself in Christ or am I still looking? Do I really know myself? Do I believe what the Bible says about me? Or do I believe what I see in the mirror? Or what anybody else thinks or says about me? That's why people who don't know who they are, they get very affected by what people do or say about them. If you know the truth about yourself, and someone else comes up and says something different, would you believe him? No, of course not. If someone comes up to me and says, ah, I know you're not the son of so-and-so-and-so, you are the son of so-and-so, and born in another city, so-and-so, I say, ah, you're talking nonsense, man. I know who I am. Do you see how important it is for us to know ourselves in Christ, to find ourselves in Christ, and to believe what the Bible says we are? So, And let me read that scripture to you that I mentioned that we should not know ourselves or anyone else according to the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.16 says the following. 2 Corinthians 5.16 Therefore from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5.16 Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Now, the word regard means to know, to estimate, or value something. So, most of us, and I say most of us generally, know ourselves only after the flesh, not after the spirit. The image we have of ourselves has been formed by worldly standards rather than by the Spirit of God. As I say, I'm fat. Some people think, this is who I am, I'm fat. No, 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 your body might be a little bit overweight. But you are not a body. You are a spirit being, you have a soul and you live in a body. And we come in different shapes and sizes. But that's not who you are. That's the house you live in. Oh, I'm too short. I'm so ugly. No, you're not. I'm young. I'm old. That's why some people try their best. (laughs) They go into all sorts of expense in order to make themselves look younger. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should not look after yourself. Man, but if you've got some gray hair, so what? Is a crown of glory, the Bible says. Trying to hide their age. Why? Because they think they're just flesh and bone. The Bible says though our outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm getting younger every day, not older, because the real me is a spirit being. I'm not just a body made of flesh and bone and blood. We should know ourselves as God knows us. Now, knowing yourself as such means that you, you, you regard yourself according to God's perspective and according to the Spirit. Amen? So, we need to ask the Spirit of God, to show us who we really are in the Lord. The power of the blood of Jesus made you who you really are, a brand new creation. You know, some people came to John the Baptist once. They were puzzled about who he was. So they asked him, who are you? Do you know what John the Baptist said? He didn't go look in the mirror and told them who he was that I'm the, I'm the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth and all of that. You know where he went to find his identity? He went to the Word of God and he found himself in there and he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Do you know where he found himself? In Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord make straight in the desert a highway for our god that's where he went to find out who he was not in the mirror and not what anybody else thought or said about him he knew himself according to the spirit we also need to look look where into the word of god and begin to believe, really believe from our heart, what the Word says, who we are, and what we have because of Christ. When you do that, and continually look in the mirror of God's Word, and you see yourself there, you know what happens on the inside. And that is one of the most difficult things to do, yet possible, through the Word of God. The image we have on the inside of us, begins to change from an image of being rejected, from an image of being worthless, from an image of being insignificant, to an image of being loved, accepted, and appreciated in Christ Jesus. That has to change on the inside because that is what pulls people down, depresses them, oppresses them, and and causes them not to believe Not in God and not in themselves. So, when you look at the mirror, remember that you are more than just flesh and blood. Much more than that. You are much bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Much stronger on the inside than you are on the outside. Much richer on the inside than you are on the outside. Amen? Amen. Because what you see listen to this, will determine your future and will determine whether you will succeed or fail in your endeavors. The image on the inside makes such a difference. And so that image of failure, that image of being a victim, needs to change. I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. I'm not a failure, I'm a success. Amen? God made me a success. Praise God. This is the power, folks, of the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we're going to come around this table and share the meal of the Passover in remembrance of Him as He instructed us to do so. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. As we participate around the table of the Lord, remember the price that Christ paid so that we could be born again. We were born again and redeemed according to the word through the precious blood of Jesus. And so today, Father, as we, as we commune, as we fellowship around the table of the Lord, we remember. We remember your sacrifice. We remember the broken body, your broken body. We remember the stripes you received We remember the crown of thorns and the suffering you endured. We remember the blood you shed that it's still as powerful today as it was then that enabled us to be born again, receive a new identity, and with it a brand new purpose in life and a bright future and destiny in Christ. We thank you as we participate of your broken body and as we drink of this cup in Jesus' name. Now, seeing that today is the first Sunday, and it is our custom to receive First Fruits Tithes and Offering today, I want to share some thoughts around our giving. What I want to talk to you is about the substance, listen carefully, the substance that energizes our giving and fills it with life, fills it with purpose and faith, which ultimately brings the blessing of the harvest and the return on all of our giving. That's what I want to tell you about. That's what I want to talk to you. And I want to emphasize this. The very substance that gives life to your giving, that energizes your giving, that gives it purpose and gives it faith, which ultimately (coughs) brings in the blessing of the harvest. And in order to do that, I'm going to read a couple of verses from the book of Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to jump. I'm not going to read the whole entire portion, but the things that I want to emphasize. Paul says, just listen to me, please. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, I rejoiced in the Lord as he writes to the Philippians... He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at last your care or your love for me has flourished again. For even in Thessalonica you send aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Please note here, Paul emphasizes and speaks about the care and the love of these believers that recently had flourished towards him which resulted in the generous support for him and the work he was doing in the Lord. Now we see something interesting here and worthy of our attention. What energized their giving what filled it with life was the love and the care They shared in their hearts toward this Apostle and towards his work in the Lord. In other words, not only did they love him dearly, but they also believed in what he was doing. They believed in the work he was doing in the Lord among the nations. There was love and there was faith. They trusted him. They believed in what he was doing was important and significant. But not only that, they loved him. And they cared for him. At the very heart of their giving was the love relationship they shared with this apostle. Now, this kind of relationships is what inspires us, I believe, And what motivates us to give generously of our substance to the Lord and to his messengers which labor and watch over our souls. Now, listen to this. If we take the relational aspect and the love out of our giving for one reason or another, all we have is just a religious formality that is void of any kind of life and any kind of faith. You take the love out of it and it's empty. It is fruitless. It is of no value. It is of no use. And it has no return. It's just a religious exercise that we do out of obligation perhaps, out of habit, and out of necessity. There's no love in it if you take the love out of it. If you take the relational aspect out of your giving, it has no life, no purpose, and no significance. And that's what the Lord showed me this morning as I was preparing to share these thoughts with you. You know, when I come here, Johan and Antoinette and Elise go... And I say this to their, to their credit. They go to the extent of showing how much they love and care for me and my family. They may not say, we love you, pastor. But they will do so with the works and with the actions and with the attitude. Thank you. I see the love. I feel the love. I am at home here. You may not come up to me and say, Pastor, we love you, though you do so, you show it in so many different ways. That speaks to me, that ministers to me, and encourages me. And wherever I go, when I'm in Harare, for instance, with Peter and Emma, I see the love with the Tapson family. Wherever I go, the people that walk with me are so precious and so valuable, not just to God, but to ourselves as well. Now, our love in the Lord towards those we give to and our faith in them and in what they do is what gives meaning is what gives purpose and life to the seeds we sow which result in a bountiful harvest that's what causes your seed to bring forth a blessing and a harvest. It is the love you put into it and it is the faith you put into it that energizes it and it brings growth and blessing and a rich and bountiful harvest. So, my encouragement to you today, those of you who are listening to me and those who will listen to this podcast, is to make every effort, listen carefully, and strengthen the relationship you share with those who minister to you. Don't let the love die, whatever you do. Don't let the relationship die or grow cold. Reach out. Communicate with the people who minister to you and cause the relationship to grow in love and in faith. This is so important. You know, we we stayed with Anna Spiros for two weeks in Florida. The woman cooked for us, the woman washed our clothes, loved us, welcomed us into her house, felt so at home, we felt the love. Steve and Nicky drove for hours to be with us, to spend the weekend with us. We went to the East Coast together. We spent time together, fellowship. You, you can sense and feel the love. And that's what gives your giving and your gifts. That's what gives it life. Because you give to someone whom you trust, whom you honor, whom you respect, and you give to someone whom you love in the Lord. The relationship. Amen? So don't let that cool down. Don't let that die. Whatever you do, tell them. Listen to me. Maybe it's not in your nature to do so. But you need to come out and by faith. Like what Wendy did. She came on and she said, thank you. I appreciate your ministry. It makes such a difference in my life. Tell them you believe in them. Tell them you believe in the work they do. Encourage them to continue in it. In doing so, you yourself will be encouraged. And you will be strengthened in the Lord. Your seed will germinate. It will grow. And with it bring you a blessed harvest. That's what Paul said. And that's what caught my attention today. In fact, he said, Paul said in Galatians 5.6, In Christ Jesus, nothing, neither circumcision or uncircumcision, avails anything but faith working through love. So what he's saying, the only thing that avails, the only thing that makes a difference in our lives, is the faith which is inspired and motivated by the love of God. When we love each other, when we believe in each other, There is something very precious and powerful that is at work among us. And no devil, no demon, no opposition, no force that comes from without will ever defeat us or will ever cause us to go under. We will always rise to the top and continue striving together for the furtherance of the gospel. So I wanted to share this with you today. If you have given through internet or whatever or whatever, I encourage you, I always do, lay your hands on your giving and thank God that he has blessed you enough to be able to be a blessing. Can we pray over our gifts today, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you've given us an opportunity to sow and give, not uh, indiscriminately, Lord, but give To you and to the people that minister into our lives, to those who love and care for us, give to those we believe in, we honor and respect, and Father God, we love and appreciate. And so that as we sow our seeds today, we thank you. We thank you for the promise of a blessing. We thank you for the promise of a harvest. And we thank you for the favor that is attached to it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.